Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Well, hello, my friends. It's that time again. Golly, my favorite time of the week. It's time for episode 48 of the Rise and Run podcast. Glad you're with us as always. Hope you're taking us on your training runs. We've been uh, doing some training ourselves. But before we get into that, let's see who we've got with us tonight. I'm Bob. I'm here with Allie. Hi, friends. With Greg. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) With Lexi. Hello. With Alicia. Hi. With Jack. Hi. And with John. How you doing? We've got a couple of great guests, as we hope we usually do. Tonight, we're talking with our friend Pam Allison from Fluffy Fizzies. We're talking with Michael, who you may know better as Run the Small World on his Instagram account. And in the race report spotlight tonight from Denver, we've got Leslie. Okay, big training week last week. Now, it's the it's back down to three miles this week. Just three miles. I love how when the training gets going, and this is how you know you're starting to make progress. When the training gets going and your off-cycle week is maybe five or six or seven miles, you go, oh, good, it's only six miles. When you get to that point, you know you're doing well. But in the meantime, I think this was the first double-digit run, this 11-mile or last week. What kind of lessons did we learn, gang? I've got lessons learned for sure. When you say, when, when you say you want to do an ultra, always expect my ultra friends to be like, oh, you know what you should train for? A hundred milers. <laughs> um, so I don't know if anybody of uh, you guys know, but um, we interviewed Adam, who did the Keys 100 uh, a while back. And me and him have run a few times. We talk quite often. And he's so encouraging, so lovely. I know he's listening. So hi, Adam. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but um, he's just so amazing. And he, he literally has mentioned a few times, been like, hey, Jack, you know what you should do? You should run the what, Keys 100. And I was like, ah, that's so funny. And then I got an email <laughs> right before we started recording. Adam had sent the links for the Keys 100 and the Daytona 100. I think there is a sign that I'm supposed to do an ultra sometimes. You know, I'm not sure. No, I think you're supposed to do both. <laughs> but he did mention, I know this is another one of my favorite people. Um, we've also talked to Dean and apparently Dean was looking for somebody to, to do like the relay for the keys 100. Dean, I know you're listening. Just if you want me, I'm there. No, there you go. <laughs> but um, I also want to put out there that like my positivity and mental health in terms of running has gotten a lot better. It's just my work schedule is a lot different than most people in terms of my schedule is always fluctuating on the times of which I go. And for this past week, I worked from like 7.30 to 4 a.m. and then got home, ran at 4.30 a.m., did 11 miles, and then finally slept at 7 a.m. 
than to have to kind of those like my work schedules are kind of like that because I work at Universal and um, yeah so there is that and it was actually a really nice 11 mile run and I kind of miss the sense of serenity and quietness that I'm used to up in Atlanta and um, it was nice to have that and then uh, Adam had actually found a trail and he was so excited to show me because he knows how much I love going on trails and that was such a treat so thank you Adam for uh, letting me run with you Um, but yeah it was such a great adventure. Jack I got to admit it I wasn't sure how you were going to get that back around to the 11 mile training run but by golly you did. (laughs) Took a circuitous route, but you got there. Yeah. <laughs> way, way to go. I don't really have a big training update um, because my training schedule is a little off from the uh, run Disney training schedule since I have New York. But I did do a training run in Mexico this week, which was really cool. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went to visit my best friend from college. So shout out to Sarah because I told you to listen. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah we had a blast and um it was flat and about 65 degrees outside with a dew point of 44 wow wow i would have expected it to be really hot um well we were close to the mountains okay up in altitude yeah okay gotcha Mm -hmm. gotcha gotcha yeah so i was like getting a taste of what fall training is going to be like it was wonderful nice and sarah (laughs) you you got to subscribe too you can't just listen to this one you got to subscribe Oh, absolutely. It's a requirement. (laughs) I have a training update as well. Um, I just kind of wanted to say thank you to my accountability friends this week because I I had 13 on my schedule and it was really, really hot and I was going a lot slower than I should have and it it was starting to get really dark. Um, And I just knew that I had, I kind of wanted to be in before the sun went down. And so I wasn't going to finish my run. I just was going to quit. <laughs> I just was at like at mile four. I was like, I'm just giving up because I have a very, I have a all or nothing mentality. Like I'm either going to have the, have a perfect what is on my schedule run or I'm not going to have, or I'm just going to give up. And talking to my friends helped me through that. Um, you know, them telling me things like you can walk. It's really hot. Um, you know, just just keep going and do what you can. And stuff like that is really important. So if you feel like you're going to give up on your run, text your friends and see what they say about giving up on yourself. <laughs> yeah, good. Message our Instagram and we will respond to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or send a note to John at riseandrunpodcast.com. <laughs> but no, it's a good thing. Uh, Ali, I'm glad you got that done. That was good. Way to way to hang in there. Hey, thank We're you guys. You. <laughs> We're getting to the distances and they're not going to get shorter. They're going to get longer. Now, for a lot of the country, uh, Labor Day marks the unofficial end of summer. Not true throughout the country, but through a lot of the country. So the temps may start going down for you. That'll help a little bit. But you're certainly at a point where you have to think about your your hydration for sure. And your nutrition, rule of thumb, I use anything over an hour, I have to plan hydration. An hour or less, I can I can get out, get back uh, without a problem. But anything longer than that, I've got to make some kind of plan for hydration, whether I bring it with me or whether I find places along the way to get some water or something else. And then once we get up about uh, 
two hours or so, it's time to start thinking about nutrition. Now, those are my benchmarks. Others may have little shorter intervals, and some may go a little longer. Um, one of the things I read and we've talked about is that I like to take on long runs Pop-Tarts. Easy to carry. Got their own little pouch. Tastes good. Lots of carbs. Go down easily. And if you're careful, you won't break them off and have them fall down your shorts. <laughs> Which happened to me, I think, I don't know. During my a, old, uh, it, during was like marathon week, it? it was a half marathon <laughs> last year. It was a half during marathon weekend. I got back to the room and there were pieces of Pop-Tart falling out of my shorts. But, but yeah, but if you're smart, that doesn't happen. Um, another thing I use, Rice Krispie Treats. Same way. Easy to carry, lots of carbs. And uh, they taste good. They go down easy. So those are a couple of things that work for me. Anybody else have any secrets? For nutrition that they use? I do the same thing. I bribe myself with candy. Candy's good. You know, uh, Jeff's big on that. Jeff Galloway's big on gummy bears, lifesavers. Uh, he's even used sugar cubes just to, just to get the, uh, just to get the carbs. I don't have anything specific that I would mention because, you know, like you mentioned before, Bob, everybody is different. You know, we oh, all yeah. have our, our different benchmarks as it relates to hydration and nutrition, everything like that. But the point that I want to drive home is it's really imperative that as we're in this phase of, you know, multiple hours of a long run, this is the time to try out your nutrition. Sure, you can try it out on, you know, those shorter weekday runs, but you might not get a true sense of how that's going to react to you on a race day per se. So, you know, really focus on that as it relates to those long runs because I am actually talking with a friend of mine who is running her first ever marathon in Chicago and I was chatting with her and she's like, Greg, I, I need all the advice from you. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm bonking out and, and, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm like, well, what's your nutrition like? What's your fueling like? She's less than a month to go to Chicago and she has not tested anything yet. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just tried this thing called goo and yeah, I yeah. took two of them. And even though she's pumping out really, really impressive paces – for someone who's doing a, a sub ten minute mile for marathon training, you need more than two goos, uh, you know, to help you, you know, be successful in that. So, you know, you'll learn something that you might really, really like, might not, you know, necessarily agree with you, and this is the time now to get that all sorted out. Now, conversely, another option that you can try is, you know, especially those of us who are training for dopey, place a focus on the nutrition and the fuel that Run Disney provides and see if that agrees with you, then maybe you might not necessarily have to bring a hydration vest with you. So try Powerade, try Honey Stinger Chews, uh, you know, try bananas, try those things, you know, maybe, you know, a piece of, you know, Halloween chocolate, you know, once we, you know, get to right, that season, right. you know, to see if that works out for you. And I also feel like, you know, there's the, the, the standard, that everyone's like, oh, you need X number of calories every 30 to 45 minutes. Well, I know that whenever I have a shorter than 15 mile run, I don't need quite 100. 
But if I go over 15, I need 100 to 150 every 30 to 45 minutes on the dot or I will bonk. So, you know, this goes back to you play with those intervals so that, you know, when you're out there on race day, okay, at 37 minutes, it's time or I'm going to bonk in another 45. (laughs) So, yeah, now's now's the time to, to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Over periods of time, you will figure out what works for you and what works for me may not work for you, vice versa. Uh, but just know you need to do something. Okay. Let's shift gears. Uh, we talked amongst ourselves before the podcast tonight as to how much we wanted to talk about this next subject, but we felt it important enough that we didn't want to omit it. And that's the national tragedy that most all of you I expect have read about the uh, woman in Memphis, Eliza Fletcher, who was abducted and later found killed. Terrible story. Uh, just time to reflect on it a little bit. Any thoughts, gang? I just want to say, if you're going out running, especially in the early hours, make sure you have some kind of tracker on that somebody else knows that you are running text them before, text them during if you need to, and text them after so they know where you're at. Or if you have a running partner, that way you have somebody to run with, that way you're not by yourself. And just run in well-lit areas. Yeah. This this really saddens me, and I don't know what to do. I don't know if there's anything any of us can do about it except be vigilant, try to help other runners. Uh, I've made the observation before and discussed it with you, here that when I go out to run, if I pass someone, I typically greet them. And many times if a, if it's a young woman coming the other way, she'll totally ignore me. And that doesn't make me angry. That makes me sad because I know, I know why she's doing it because I think she's afraid. She, she doesn't know me. She just knows here's a big guy coming my way. Is it going to be Okay. Okay, good it is, but she doesn't know, and uh, so I think that's I think that's what causes that, and I just find that terribly, terribly sad, but understandable, unfortunately. Yeah, I I feel like, um, you know, as a young woman, I I do, you know, um, my back gets rigid, and I'm I'm just bracing myself just in case, um. But, you know, we have to be careful when we go out even I I think even more so in a place we're familiar with um, of just being aware. And thankfully, especially in the past couple of years, there's been a lot of companies that have come up with uh, defensive things that women can carry. Like I know Go Guarded has a ring. Um, there's pepper spray, like many ones that you can wrap around your wrist. Um, My mom has an alarm um, little thing is about two inches long. You pull it and it sounds super loud, like a car alarm. I have one mm-hmm. of those. So, um, Good. yeah, just being wary and alert and, um, hopefully by, you know, bringing awareness and being vil- vigilant and all of that, that we can turn the corner and make it to where everybody feels safe. You know, that's the, that's the goal to make it to where you feel safe running. Um, and I hope that, I hope that we're able to to do that. I hope so, Lexi. Meanwhile, be safe. Run in, run in groups if you can. 
take some of those defensive measures that Lexi and Alicia talked about and let make sure someone knows where you are and what time you're expected back and what route you're going on. It's uh, unfortunately, there are horrible people in this world and I hate that we're talking about them, but I didn't want to just let this pass. Okay. Well, Hey, last week I talked about a new app we have. It's a way to join the conversation and it's in the show notes. The link says, join the conversation. When you click it, it'll take you to a spot where you can either enter text messages for us or record your own little audio there. Now we tried it this week and the reaction was perfect. A hundred percent of you didn't use it. (laughs) We didn't have anybody, but that's okay, gang. That's okay. Uh, This is new. We've got to figure it out yet. So I've got an idea. The, wherever you're downloading the podcast, if you just get the expanded notes, just press the more button on your phone or if you're on your computer and you'll see the join the conversation link, click it. And what I'd like you to do is leave us a recording introducing the podcast. So instead of we listen to Greg talk about the alarm's gone off, it's time to go. The next voice we hear instead of me will be you. You can do, hi, this is Bob from Tampa. You're listening to the Rise and Run podcast. But I'll bet you can do better than that. So leave us your introductions. And the first one we'll use, won't be next week, episode 49, the first one that we'll use, listener submitted, will be episode 50. Go crazy with it. Have fun. We look forward to hearing what you can do with that. Another thing I'd like to encourage you to do is whether you finish your training run, or whether you're finished, especially if you finished a race, get in there and pop the record button and tell us a little bit how it went for you. Maybe we'll be able to play some of those back also. So that's the join the conversation link. You'll find it in the show description, right around the show notes, either before or after the description of the show. All right, my friends, uh, let's visit with some of our guests for this week. Good friend returns to the podcast. Pam Allison's been with us before. You may know her from her Fluffy Fizzies uh, store or at the expo or online. But she's been a friend of the podcast since we've gotten started. Now, Pam was supposed to be here last week, but something happened. Pam, welcome. Good to see you. Really good to see you. And why don't you tell everybody what I'm talking about? Yep, it is really, really good to be here. Um, Believe it or not, two weeks ago, I had a stroke out of the blue. Um, I will fully admit that I am not one to go to the doctors, and I probably haven't been in about five years. I had no idea. My blood pressure was out of control. Everything is out of control. And then I'm a full-fledged diabetic who is now proudly wearing a new continuous glucose monitor. So... um, that had to be a shock. Friday, it, it was a definite shock. I went for a run on Friday night. I felt fine. And by Sunday, I was in the ER. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, people that hear this go, oh, you know what? It's maybe been more than a year since I've been to a doctor. Maybe you maybe should just check in, you know, um, get a quick checkup. Because um, we think we're healthy. We think we're invincible. 
you know, um, I never go to a doctor unless I have a reason that I feel like I need to do it. So, um, this was 100% uh, a wake up call. I call it my warning stroke and I am very happy to be here, to be among you, to be walking, to be talking. Um, I do have some residual lack of sensation and every once in a while I'll stumble on a word or two, but hopefully, uh, Hopefully everybody can hear everything I'm saying loud and clear. Oh, we sure can. Plus, Greg takes care of all that. And in the words of Billy Crystal, and I know a lot of people don't know who you, you look marvelous. <laughs> so it, it is, Pam, we've been friends for a while. It, I was quite taken aback when I got the news. Now, the good part is I got the news from you. Mm-hmm. So I knew you were still with us and still coherent and still making sense in text messages. So all that was a positive sign. I was glad to see that, but uh, we're, we're really glad that you're here with us tonight. Yes. Your words are very important as runners. I don't care how old you are. You think you're bulletproof. Hey, I can do a marathon. I must be healthy. Well, it certainly does help your overall health. That's a fact but it doesn't guarantee anything. So be careful. Take, take care of yourself and see your physician regularly. Bob, I think you were the one, you responded to me with probably one of the most poignant things ever, which is when I said, you know, you think you can be healthy and then you have a stroke unexpectedly, or you think, you know, or you have an unexpected heart attack. And I think Jeff Galloway was a phenomenal example of you could think you are as healthy as healthy could be i would put him up as a poster on my wall saying he's a picture of health you know so um i think when, when you responded that to me that really hit home that you're right nobody nobody's invincible no well you know jeff's heart actually literally stopped beating uh not with the original heart attack but later on when he was in the hospital for a checkup or further test further I'm getting the details wrong, I'm sure, but I know he was in the hospital. I know his heart stopped beating. So now I'm fond of saying, you know, I'm coming back from some pretty serious uh, injury and surgery. I'm saying, yeah, but my mentor died and he's still running. So (laughs) I don't have a very strong case here. So it's all good. Well, delighted that you are, I'm going to say, on the road to recovery, feeling better, uh, back out of the hospital, back to work today, right? For the first time? That is correct. That is correct. Did a, did a nice long day at work. Um, had some had some things to do with entrepreneurship there at work and then got to do some fluffy fizzy stuff at the same time. Not a girl. Well, fluffy fizzies. Great segue. Thank you. I usually have to come up with them. Thank you for helping me out with that. How are things going with fluffy fizzies? You got some exciting news there. And this is good, exciting news. Gosh, where do we start? Let's see. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's wrap up summer. So we had so many runners that couldn't get into a lot of the races this year that they did um, fundraisers. And so I got to help 34 different fundraisers. I learned a lot. <laughs> it was. Wow. Uh, wow. Was yeah, I'm little... one of them. Exactly. Allie's one of them. Um, 
it got challenging at times. It was exciting because I got to do a lot of the creative process because each one of those fundraisers needed a bath bomb design from scratch. Um, so we did designs, we did scents, we did all sorts of things. And so did you do a unique one for each fundraiser? <laughs> yes. Each fundraiser has its own unique bath bomb. Um, we tried to, some people chose to let it represent their um, fund, their cause that they're raising funds for. Some let it represent their personality. Some just went, I have no clue at all. What can you do? So that, that was actually a lot of fun to have the creative process with it. But then I had to watch because it was sort of getting, I, I was trying to go more and more extravagant and it was getting difficult to make as many as we needed to make. So you were um, out of control. I'm happy to say that we ended up raising just under $1,900 for all the charities. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's a wonderful thing. That's another great thing that you do. We appreciate it. Yeah, it it was good. Um, I did have to end it and I realized pretty much halfway through the summer that I would not be able to enter race season and still be, trying to do all the fundraisers. So, um, so we did end those on August 31st and, um, because now it's time to transition to wine and dine. Yes, it is. We're getting close. Now you got more exciting news for fluffy fizzies too. Yeah, actually a couple. So, you know, it was a hard week being in the hospital, but it was also a fun week. I'll bet. Um, on a couple tough, of, tough week to be there. Yeah. It, it was definitely a tough week to be there. Um, so two things happened during that week. Now, first of all, I went into the hospital on Sunday and I knew I was supposed to go to closing on my brand new building for production yeah. up here in Maryland for Fluffy Fizzies. So I was sort of concerned. I got to get out of the hospital. I got to go do this. And I had told the attorneys what happened and they actually said, well, can you have visitors? And I said, yes, I can. So they came up on that Wednesday and I signed all of the paperwork from my hospital bed. I did all the wire transfers and we now have our first building that we own for production. So cool. That's such a big day. Man, it was, it was amazing. Um, because up until now, you know, we've rented every facility we've ever been in. Um, you know, I don't know if you, if I've ever said this, but we started in our kitchen at our house and we quickly, grew out of the kitchen and then we took over the office and then we took over the third floor and then it was time to get our first facility. But up until now, you know, every time we rent. So now we own a building. Um, it's, it's here on the Eastern shore. We plan on doing really curbside pickup. If people are looking to do that, if anybody lives on the Eastern shore and goodness gracious, if you do, I need to meet you because we're in a very rural remote area. So I'd love to meet people that are here on the Eastern shore. Um, so, so that was exciting. And then, um, on Tuesday, my, my work phone rang and I pick it up, picked it up like normal. And the woman says, how are you? I said, Oh, I'm good. But of course you can hear the hospital noise in the background. She says, well, uh, is this okay time? I said, yeah, it's a great time. I said, I had a little medical issue, but you know, we're good. And it was Walmart and there we you go. have been accepted to sell through Walmart. So, uh, it took me a little bit of time, I'd say, you know, it was two weeks today, but we went live today. So as of Fantastic. today, 
You can go to walmart.com. Um, I'm going to tag everything with fluffy fizzies. So you can do a search just saying fluffy fizzies. As of today, it's just the bath salts that are available, but we will be adding on, um, the next one I'm trying to add on will be the bounce back cubes, which is obviously what the nose is for. So, um, we're still in talks with them about getting on their actual shelves across the country. But as of right now, you can go to walmart.com. That's outstanding. So you have a lot of products that are not on walmart.com yet. Um, can you name off just a couple of your favorites that you like? I love the bounce back, bounce back. Well, first of all, I love the rise and run bounce back soap, which I used after my run the other day, which is awesome. But what are a couple of your other favorites? Well, when you said that, I was going to say, of course, my favorite products right now are the Rise and Run products. That <laughs> that we are, yeah, you go, Pam. <laughs> right. I mean, we've got the bath bomb and we've got the soap that are specifically made for Rise and Run. Um, yeah, gosh, some of my favorite products. You know, I have to say the themed cupcakes that are going to be coming out for Wine and Dine, they're kind of fun. Um, Don't eat they, them, though. No, do not eat them. I've, I've seen people, <laughs> we've actually had people put them in their mouth, but don't forget, since they're all natural, it. it's not a big deal. It's, it's not going to hurt anybody, but it does not taste good. Um, I really love the compressed towels still. Um, they are top of my list. And, you know, let me tell you, found a whole new purpose for them uh, two weeks ago when in the hospital. Oh. It makes a wonderful, about <laughs> a wonderful bath if you cannot take a bath or a shower. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good product. Yeah, I, I use that one. Yeah. I, I I there's some there's some so many bag. more, too. There's yeah. there's a couple of things like um, you have the, um, the sand sanitizer sprays that it's funny because they're hand sanitizer, but they smell amazing, too. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, we haven't yet come up with the um, signature scent, I guess you would say of wine and dine, because, you know, we've done that in the past where, when it was villains, I don't know if anybody remembers, we had the evil potion mm -hmm. yep. hand sanitizer. That one was the one I was it, thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to get a themed scent. Um, and so, you know, we're going to come up with a theme scent that will be in the hand sanitizer. It'll be in the compressed towels. We'll have some bath bombs, all with the same scent. But I don't know what the overarching scent is going to be. Now, the cupcakes we're going to do for Wine and Dine will have four different scents. And they really kind of relate to the themes. Cool. Cool. And I know you are also famous for the sparkly lips um, that people see on the on the race courses. Um, of course, you can always get um, anything at Fluffy Fizzies at the Expo. But if you want to, you can also go to our website and under our shop, you can hit our affiliate link and that will help support us. And also we have a coupon which will help support you. So you can use the coupon happy running, which is a one word, no spaces, all caps, happy running. And that will give you 10% off um, at fluffyfizzies.com. But make sure to use our affiliate link so that um, we can help support our podcast too. Yeah. And thanks for, thanks for doing that, Pam. That you were our first affiliate, which is appropriate, I think. <laughs> no, I love it. And I, I have to say, every time I get an order and it has your code, it makes me happy. <laughs> well, of course, it says happy right in it. It's got to <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it has to make you happy. Uh, it's wonderful. Pam, you talked about the cupcakes. We, we know not to eat them. What do they look like this year? 
Well, Wine and Dine, I'm very happy to say they've already been approved and they are very close to our race themes. So for the 5K, um, I think we'll all remember that the the theme with Coco had to do with Remember Me. And so we have a guitar on it. And so it's a going to be a colorful sort of a Mexican color of the red and yellow, but then with the the guitar on top. Uh, Let's see. Oh, the 10K, the last dragon. And so we have a dragon on top and I love this dragon. I think it's one of my favorite molds that I have. So for the half marathon, we have soul. And so that's going to have the treble clef on it. And that's done up with some glitter on top, kind of make it, you know, a little sparkly. But what I love about that one is going to be the scent because it's very d- deep and rich and, and musky. So it really kind of, Ooh. you know, reminded me of soul. And then I was absolutely blown away. We got it approved. We will have a genie lamp on top of cool. the challenge. Oh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you got that. That's great. Yes. I may so even look at that myself. We did a little reversing of the colors. So the lamp itself is blue and the glitter on the cupcake is gold. And we're going to do a light airy scent, just as you would imagine, maybe a jasmine smell coming out of a... (laughs) Uh, Well done. I know we talked last time. There's Disney's remodeling a lot of the rooms and they're taking the bathtubs out. So what do you have that we can use that won't be used in a bath? So we have a couple of things. Um, so for the night before, when you're ready to relax, we have the lavender shower uh, tablets. And then for any time, really, the other shower tablets that we have, we have, gosh, I think this time we're going to bring, boy, the citrus last time was so popular. That was a new one we launched. So we'll bring that with us too. We'll also have the eucalyptus and the spa and the, the uh, peppermint. Peppermint's always a, a very popular one because of the the you know, the menthol inside of it really opens up your sinuses. And then for post-race recovery, so we will bring the soaps again, like we've been doing the rise and run soaps. Um, We will bring bounce back soaps and the bounce back body butter. That one's always a a big hit. So that body butter, it's like a a natural version um, of Icy Hot. It does have menthol crystals, so it makes your skin sort of tingle in the beginning before that essential oil blend seeps in to do the same, really a lot of the same properties that our baths do. It has the orange, eucalyptus, uh, peppermint, wintergreen, and camphor oil. And the camphor oil is a, a natural pain reliever. So all of that's in the body butter, as well as the soap, as well as the salts and the cubes. I love that. That's my favorite product of yours. The body butter. No, just the bounce back formula. I love it. I love it. It really helped me a lot through the goofy challenge last year. So I can't, I can't recommend it enough. You know, people swear by it that do dopey. They say they wouldn't make it through dopey if they didn't have uh, one after every time. I can tell you when I did dopey, honestly, I was on a three bath a day regimen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Granted, I had a a nice supply with me, but um, I would take a bath before the race and after the race, then at the end of the night when I was ready to relax. You got six dopies in this crowd this year, and I, I just didn't get in through registration. So, but I'll have the marathon. Yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I think the t- I'm doing the 10k for marathon weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, no dopey this time, but I've done them in the past, and so 
I do know what it's like to try to run every day. And, you know, when I said that I took a bath each night before I went to bed, I think each night was probably, what, 5, 6 p.m.? <laughs> right, right, right. I'm in bed by 7. <laughs> so I always ask this, but I'm super curious who you dressed it up as for your 10K then. So here's the thing. I never think about it. And nine times out of 10, I ended up running in a fluffy fizzies um, <laughs> at the expo. I end up wearing it out on the, uh, at the race. But the funny thing is people are like, oh my gosh, you're the bath bomb woman. There you go. There you go. That's the best advertising. That's perfect. I remember on the 10 miler for springtime surprise at my uh, corral wit. And then I heard something about fluffy fizzies pam's here and i got super excited i was cheering for you as i was running i hope you know that (laughs) (laughs) you know what that was one of the coolest experiences ever so um what happened was um the day before uh carissa's husband came to the expo to pick her up some glitter lipstick and then I got to see my lips and then I gave him some extra ones. I said, here, let her choose which one she wants to wear. Well, she shared them with the other run Disney stage staff. And even the, the sign language interpreter was wearing it. Oh, and people were texting me in the corral saying, are they wearing your lipstick? And I said, yes, yes, they, they are. But I knew they couldn't um, promote me that, you know, it's against their rules. Obviously they couldn't say that. But when I got up towards um, the the microphone area, I said, hey, can you get a message to the stage for me? Tell her that's my lipstick she's wearing. And so he says, hang on, you can do it even better. And he, he next thing I know, I'm all lit up and they had the microphone in my face. And so I got to say, <laughs> you're wearing our lipstick. And they let me promote it. And that's when people were cheering in the crowd. And then... <laughs> Um, the really funny thing for that is I started running and I had to pull over to the side because people were starting to order so fast from the corral (laughs) and we we had run out of some of our colors and had not updated our website. So I so vividly remember running past, um, running through Epcot through World Showcase and having to update my website as I was running. (laughs) That's crazy. It was was very surreal and unbelievable moment. Um, Yeah, it it was fantastic. Well, that's wonderful. Well, a lot of good news in there, Pam. The best news is that you're here talking with us tonight, and we're really happy about that. We're happy to see you here, and we're really looking forward to see you in a couple of weeks down at Disney World. I have a new phone, so I don't know if you'll get warnings when I'm in the area anymore (laughs) or not. You know what, Bob? I'm sure I'm still going to know when you arrive. (laughs) Let's let's, let's drop the mic and leave it at that. Pam, lovely to see you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Now go get some rest. Will do, and I look forward to seeing you all in November. That was really good speaking to Pam, seeing that she's doing okay after uh, what she's been through. And it tells us all we should, you know, get checked out if we uh, oh, yeah. haven't been to the doctor in a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running does not make us invincible. And we gave several examples. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy to see Pam. Pam's one of the early friends I made here in Run Disney, and she's a special person. All right, my friends, time to 
talk with our special guest for the evening, Lexi. Why don't you tell us who's here with us tonight? Yeah, tonight we have Michael from Run the Small World. Um, you probably know his Instagram or his podcast or his awesome costumes that he runs in at all the Disney races and a lot of other races, too. Um, so we are really excited to get down to business and talk about all the fun things that Michael has going on. So hi, Michael. Hi, it's good to be here. We are glad to have you. So I think usually the first question we ask our guests, how did you get into running? And um, follow-up question, what made you start a podcast? Um, okay, so the running thing is, hmm. well, I grew up playing soccer, so I always ran, but running itself was boring. Um, or it was like punishment more than anything else. Um, and uh, in high school, I did not want to play for my high school soccer coach. So I was seeking another high school sport to do. And I did high school country and I hated it. <laughs> so I did not stick with it for a while. Um, and then back in 2014, my best friend asked me to do the Atlanta 10 miler with her. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I signed up. I was like, sure, I'll do it with you. And I, I was playing pickup soccer with people from time to time. I, was, I figured I could knock out 10 miles. Uh, and I just loved the event that the Atlanta Track Club put on. It was my first Atlanta Track Club event. Really, really loved it. Um, and that's always the end of October. So I immediately signed up for the Thanksgiving Day Half Marathon we have, <laughs> which was like three weeks later. Uh, and did that without, I mean, I didn't train at all and I was in pain and went to my usual family, uh, Thanksgiving thing, but I also loved that event. So I signed up for another half marathon and then was like, okay, I can't keep doing these things without training and quit. Um, but, uh, another friend of ours, a mutual friend had seen pictures from the couple of races I had done. Uh, and she went, so Michael, um, would you put your name into the New York City Marathon Lottery with me? And I was like, uh, I don't really want to do a marathon, but okay. Like first I looked up what the chances were of getting in on the lottery. And I was like, oh good, it's really low. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I put my name in. Uh, and that was her fourth time putting her name in. It was my first. Uh, and I got in and she didn't. So I was like, well, I guess I should train for this like for real. So I signed up for the uh, official New York Roadrunners um, training plan and just like stuck to it religiously. And I still remember I, I was completely hooked by the time I did my 17 mile training run. Um, I, I did that and that night I signed up for my second and third marathons. Um, <laughs> so my second one was Disney 2016, which was like two months later. And then my third one was my local Atlanta marathon, which is two months after that. So, uh, so the night I did my 17 miler, I then signed up for my second and third marathons, which were all spaced out with just one, one month off intervals. Oh my. Uh, and it's just been a constant since. And then podcast. Um, that was really like the costume thing started later that year. So I got into uh, my, my one and only run Disney race without a costume was the Ma Disney marathon in 2016. And I started way in the back cause I didn't have a time to submit and I was just weaving in and out of people. And I, I was mesmerized by costumes. I was like, this is a thing what? <laughs> I need to come back and do this. Uh, and so I got to sign up for Wine and Dine. And as soon as I did that, and I started recognizing people in corrals. Uh, I was like, you know what? I want to talk to my friends about running in Disney. Uh, and then it started to become my friends that I made through running at Disney. And oh, yeah. Then just kind of kept going. And it's, you know, hit and miss. But, uh, but that's really the story. It's an awesome community, isn't it? The it Run really, Disney really, really is. Yeah, I've met love so many cool people. Oh, yeah, we love it. That's awesome. I, as a fellow Atlantean, Atlantan, and I don't know what, what the, it's something like there. Atlantean. Yeah, yeah. Atlantean. 
Um, I'm actually running uh, PNC and the um, half marathon this year. Are you doing Triple Peach then? Yes, I'm trying okay. to. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I figure since I'm marathon training, I might as well. It's like it's already in my training run. So just get it all out in one year and then I won't have to think about it again. <laughs> uh, I, I guess for anybody who doesn't know what I just talk, mentioned, the Triple Peach, um, everybody was familiar with like the Run Disney challenges, but uh, Atlanta track club does um so the peach tree road race is the biggest 10k in the world and we have that in july and if you then do the atlanta pnc 10 miler in october and then the thanksgiving half on thanksgiving day that's the triple peach and we also have the ultimate peach if you do those three and do the atlanta Publix marathon in march as well uh, although that's basically always i guess it moved got moved to february so now it always conflicts with princess um, so i always yeah, kind of have the to same decide. weekend because mm-hmm. I because I've paced that one both the half and the full a bunch, and so it's like, all right, am I doing Princess or am I pacing Publix? Uh, that's a big weekend. It was a big run down in Tampa the same weekend. I'm curious, how did you become a pacer? Um, I got connected to various people that I know in the Atlanta Track Club uh, community, and as I started to recognize people, and they started to recognize me. Um, I just kind of started asking around and someone was like, oh, hey, there's a link over here. Send an email. And I sent in an email and they're like, oh, yeah, we recognize you. Um, sure. Like, here you go. Here's what we ask of you. Here's the commitment. Uh, and so I got roped in. So now I'm basically on their email thread. So um, for the two big races they do pacing for, the Thanksgiving and Publix, I basically get their alerts each year. Uh, and uh, Atlanta Track Club does its own pacing. We don't have external pace group uh, uh an external pacing organization. So it's just Atlanta Track Club members pacing for Atlanta Track Club. I love that. Oh my goodness. I, I used to live in Atlanta and I recently moved to Orlando and I wanted to be a part of the Atlanta Track Club, but I might be moving back up to Atlanta next year. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say she better be moving back up to Atlanta. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a really, really rewarding experience pacing, um, like getting people across for their first finish line, especially like their first finish line of a new distance is just, there's nothing else like it. What paces do you usually do for pacers? Do you change it up every once in a while or usually just one? Um, so I've done the full twice and I paced 345 for both of those. And then I've done the half twice and I've done uh, 140 both times for that. Well, you have such amazing accomplishments in the first place. But the one thing that I'm super beyond excited about is the Seven Continents Challenge. Can you explain what that is and how you found it and why you're doing it? Um, sure. So this is, uh, it's a thing, it's officially called the World Marathon Challenge. Um, it is, uh, it is seven marathons in the space of seven consecutive days, um, across all seven continents. And, uh, the, the man who organizes it is the first guy who ever did it. Um, and so for a little while he was the person who had done it fastest. And then once somebody finished with a faster time than him, he decided that he was going to do it within like a four and a half day span instead. So he's done that too. (laughs) Um, but, uh, uh, I think he did it for the first time in the kind of early to mid two thousands and then set up a challenge. So other people would, you know, could do the same thing. Uh, it is, there's custom transit to get to and from Antarctica, which is always the first week uh well it's aimed to be always the first day uh and then from there right after you finish antarctica it's essentially chartered flights between each continent from that point on uh afterwards um 
So the reason uh, Antarctica is the first one is because the whole point is to do it in 24 hours times seven or less. And so if something happens weather-wise, uh, there's not really a lot of flex once you start. Uh, and so uh, Antarctica is the one uh, is kind of the one trip that is most likely to get disrupted by weather. And so having Antarctica first allows them to kind of push back the whole um, the entire event by one day, two day, three days, whatever. Um, I think there's only one time they've had to do something like that, where what they actually did was swapped the first two days, which is uh, Antarctica and South Africa now, um, because you kind of South Africa is your base before, so you head to Antarctica, and the official timer starts when your first marathon timers uh, start. So um, it's really cool. Um, it's really expensive, uh, and uh, I. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that had happened. I was planning to not be able to do it for like another eight to 10 years uh, and had kind of started my savings budget. And then the company I worked for got acquired uh, and I got a cash payout and I was like, well, I could be responsible or I could <laughs> do this thing eight to 10 years early. So I'm, <laughs> so there you go. I made the decision that I made. <laughs> yeah, um, well, yeah. Once in a lifetime, man. Much to my parents' chagrin, but um, uh, so I, it's, it's a lot. Um, I think the each individual day you have essentially an eight-hour uh, time limit per for individual days uh, because the whole group has to be able to get to the next location. Um, officially, he says that starting from that moment that you start the first race, so not counting all the time of everybody getting to South Africa and getting to Antarctica in the first place, um, that competitors can plan to be on airplanes for 68 hours of the seven-day period, uh, which is, I forget how many hours, seven times 24 is. Oh, it's just under three days. 168 hours is well, what I read. So yeah. 100 hours not on planes, 68 on planes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. I hope they got you some good food to eat while you're there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so it's a lot. Um and then you have to you have to get yourself to South Africa, and you have to get yourself home from Miami. Um, so that's a uh, it's nice that it finishes so close to home. So speaking of the planes and all the traveling, that was one question that I had for you in terms of this challenge. Obviously, it's a unique training situation, you know, just for the running aspect of that. But how? What are you doing personally to mentally and physically prepare yourself for number one, all of the travel, but then two, as you're bouncing all across the globe, you're going to have these different time zones and then, you know, waking up and having to do a marathon. So, so what are you doing to prep for that? I'm, I'm very curious. You know, I think a big, this is going to be one of the weirdest things, but I feel like I have an advantage in that I've always had a terrible sleep cycle. <laughs> so I've never been one to be able to, to, uh, to rely on, on my sleep. Like I, I don't do, um, I don't do routine very well. So I, you know, I, if I, if I have like a really good training cycle, I'll still have, I don't know, I'll run at like 11 PM one day and 5 AM the next day. And then like, you know, 8 PM the day after that and two days on random days. And that's, that's when things are going well. So, um, so I feel like for me, it's a little bit less disruptive just because I've never nailed down a good routine. Um, but I think one of the big things too, is whenever I've traveled internationally for other things, uh, I I've never struggled with jet lag that much. Cause I always kind of think about destination time zone whenever I'm doing anything. So whenever I like sleep on planes, um, eat on planes and stuff like that, I I'm always like, okay, what do I want? Where do I want to be mentally and physically when I land? Uh, and I'm really good about 
about that. And I sleep like a baby on planes too, if I want to. So it's, so, you know, as long as I've got my noise canceling headphones, I'm just out uh, like a light. Um, and so, so there's, it's kind of a mix of things. Um, uh, and then we'll talk about recovery in a minute, but my normally pretty bad response to recovery, I think also plays into, <laughs> uh, into why I'm not too worried about the, the plane leg of this. And whenever I've talked to other people, they'll ask about recovery for say dopey or something. It's like the back-to-back things. And, uh, and I've never really had a great answer because I don't do anything special for recovery. I think the biggest thing for recovery is training, right? Like, um, and not pushing super hard on race day comparatively. Um, so, you know, when I, when I'm rarely in a cycle where I'm really going for speed, like the difference between my speed efforts and my race efforts is like huge compared to my, my easy efforts, um, which is something that just even lots of experienced runners, we struggle with, right? Pacing ourselves. Like we always want to go faster than is actually wise. Um, and when I'm not going for speed, so dopey or something similar, like I still have some of that speed stuff, but it's a lot less. And it's really just kind of reinforcing like, Hey, I'm going easy. And then when I go to dopey, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not pushing. I'm kind of doing things maybe slightly faster than my normal training pace. And, um, and some of that is privilege about like what kind of, what area of the pack are you normally and so on. Like people, if, if you're really pushing to hit that 16 minute um, pace at, at Disney, like, yeah, I mean, that's a race pace for you. And, and so that's understandable. Like you're, you're pushing race pace and you're going to feel all the after effects of that. But if you're someone who um, is doing a 14 or a 12 or, or, or a 10, like a lot of the time you can just back off more and it's like, be okay with that slower time. And then your recovery is easier, right? Um, so a lot of the time, like my dopey times are just, they're not times that are me pushing. And so I feel fine uh, that, you know, the next day. And that's kind of the same thing here is I'm certainly not going to be pushing <laughs> on any of these days, right? Like um, I think anybody who's done dopey can it can talk about the fact that it's like, well, yeah, you could probably walk all day for seven days, no problem, right? So it's like, all right, well, what's the, what's the equivalent gap? If you're in the position where you can run a, you know, a 315 or a 320 marathon, then like, okay, yeah, you can probably knock out some five hour marathons back to back without, without hurting yourself badly. I mean, you'll feel the wear and tear for sure, but it's a big difference from trying to knock out a bunch of 340s, right? Um, which is definitely not what I'm going to do. No. <laughs> Michael, you're the first person I've ever spoken to who's done this. I've followed this event for the last three or four years online. And by the way, you can follow it, worldmarathonchallenge.com. You can follow it online. Uh, I think, this are any of these events actually scheduled marathons or are they all just for the challenge? Uh, they're for the challenge, but they're all put on by this guy and his crew. Um, so they are all officially uh, measured. They're all officially, yeah. like, they're all certified. Yeah. Uh, but they are called the, like, insert uh, continent name, Intercontinental Marathon. So it's the Antarctica, uh, the, you know, the Antarctica Intercontinental Marathon, the Africa Intercontinental Marathon, the Australia Intercontinental Marathon. The only people running them are the people doing this challenge. Okay, um, so there are no other entries into the... Yeah, I figured for Antarctica that was a given, but I wondered yeah. about some of the other continents. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, you start on a Tuesday, you end on a Monday, so oh, most yeah. of them are in the middle of the week. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I, I knew there wasn't. Uh, yeah, I got that. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And about how many people do this marathon? Uh, so this is a lot more than usual. This year will be the highest ever with fifty. Um, and basically because of the pent up demand from the pandemic, um, he was able to charter a larger plane. So plane capacity is the limit. Um, and 
So, so I, I think he had 50 seats, including because people can pay the large sum of money to jump in um, and not run. So if somebody wants a spouse or whomever to, to come with them, but you have to pay most of the fee to, to run the races um, without running it. So I, I don't think quite everyone is going to be running it, but it's a pretty large group. So it sounds like uh, in order to run seven marathons back to back, just listening to you, um, some of the things that you're saying um, sound like you're doing a lot of the mental prep without actually um, maybe realizing you're doing the mental prep. And so I'm wondering, it sounds like you have a really positive um, attitude towards um, pain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you, have you ever hit a wall during a marathon? And if so, how did you get through it? I mean, I've hit walls during a few. Uh, I mean, honestly, it probably wasn't until my seventh or eighth before I had really understood what other people meant when they said the wall. Like I'd had hard segments of marathons. I mean, in my, I think fifth or sixth marathon, it was my first Boston qualifying attempt, which I still have not managed. Um, uh, I, my hip just blew out on me and that was like, I was crying in physical pain. Um, but that's not really the same thing. Right. Um, so I, you know, I've hit, so I've had that happen. I've had similar, like my hip give out on me multiple times. It's a old soccer injury. Um, I've had, uh, I've had the, the wall that everybody talks about where you're just like your fueling and stuff isn't, isn't working and you're just kind of bonking and fading and you know, your, your arms feel tingly and you kind of like, you're like, am I falling asleep or am I like, <laughs> but I'm running, like, how is this working? Um, <laughs> Then uh, the California International Marathon in December uh, this past year, I actually, my like five or six, whatever, I was at that first 45 minute interval when you start to fuel and I threw up. I was like, I can't get anything down and I could not eat anything the entire marathon long. So I did an entire marathon unfueled um, and that was terrible. (laughs) Uh, So like I've had all those things happen and I think what really gets me through is um, I'm really fortunate so going back to my first marathon, is I had basically the perfect first marathon experience. Um, so it was New York City Marathon, which is, you know, biggest marathon in the world. It was perfect weather. Um, for me, training in Atlanta, I went up there and it was in the like low 50s, um, which even now I'd say I want it in the 40s. But back then I would have been complaining about the 40s being freezing. So at the time it was what I, you know, what I needed. And, um, you know, I training the entire time, like, the New York Roadrunners had this really cool computer-based setup where you can put in like, what is a normal uh, running pace for you? How many times a week do you run? And it kind of calculates out uh, a program for you and it asks you to like plan several benchmark races and you put those in and it adjusts your suggested times. And I kept outpacing its suggested times. So without knowing it, it was like, it was keeping me very conservative in training and keeping my my expectations really conservative, which is how anytime I'm informally coaching somebody, I kind of do that for them. I was like, Hey, like you're capable of more. We're not going to do that. (laughs) We're going to set you up for a positive experience. And so I went in, um, expecting like, okay, four hours is like, I'll be really proud if I do four hours. And as time went on through that training process, it kind of was pushing and pushing and pushing. It's like, all right, you're going to do 340 to 350 range. And during the marathon, like after the first half, I just got so annoyed at my watch beeping at me for going too fast that I just started ignoring it. And I knocked out like a, uh, I think my first one was a 333. So like seven minutes faster than the most 
like this automated system was telling me and I was just going by feel and I remember like finishing and just bouncing for the next like mile or two until I wow. got to the family area I was like man I could do like five or six more miles like I wow. this wow. is great <laughs> and so it, it was like I just didn't uh I didn't really feel any of those after effects that other people feel at the end of my first marathon and just like having oh, well until the first time I tried to go downstairs uh but, <laughs> uh, but but like that that memory was enough to kind of get me through like an anything else. So, um, you know, my second one was Disney two months later and I had a great experience except that I had fallen on the elliptical the week before at my apartment complex and my foot got like caught in the elliptical, which is not a pleasant feeling. Um, and so I've, I had probably like, you know, done a hairline fracture or something and I ran the marathon anyways. And so like, I was in a lot of pain for that, but it was okay. It was like, you know what? I know how great this can be. I'm going to get through it. I'll just like slow down. I'll walk some segments and it was fine. And, uh, and so it's, you know, I've had the best possible experience and then I've had pretty terrible experiences. And I think just having that really good experience to call back on is more than enough whenever I deal with anything else. I wonder if people can take their training runs that went really, really well and like bottle that up and carry that oh, with them. Oh, don't you wish? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, I, sometimes I wish you knew why it happened. I, I don't. Sometimes it'd be great. You don't know why. Sometimes it's terrible. You don't know why. Yeah, especially because training. It's not like you can optimize every single day and week before those right like at least for sure. races you're trying but it's like i don't know is it because i didn't sleep much last night you might not even realize you didn't sleep much, much last night it's like oh i drank two cups of coffee yesterday instead of one uh you know and it, it's so hard and those are the training runs that really get to you like the one like you said the ones you just don't know why keeping it on training um what is your fueling like nutrition situation especially going to uh, other countries where you can't really control necessarily what you're eating with all the different cuisines and stuff like what's what's that going to be like um so i'm my stomach is outside of running is pretty hearty so i can deal with whatever um uh i mean i'll, I'll still like i'll typically go for things that are leaner um and things that you know like things that are not super heavy and so on. And certainly all that week, uh, whenever I can, but like, I'd be fine with whatever. I mean, I've, I've done training runs after grabbing a beer and burgers with people. And it's just like, you just slow down enough, you know? Um, and I think part of it is like, you have to be used to doing that during training. <laughs> like, uh, is, um, I, I think one of the biggest things, and again, it goes to people asking about recovery for dopey. And it's really like, on for any workout, it's like, well, if you moderate your effort according to where you're at, at a given point, um, and to how suboptimal your current situation is going in, uh, which requires a certain degree of awareness and being able to kind of really assess everything going into where you are on that day. Uh, it makes things not terrible. Um, so certainly if I go and do a training run after grabbing a beer and burgers with people, I am not, I, you know, I might be running that easy pace two minute, two minutes slower than my normal easy pace, because all that really matters is the time on my feet. Right. Um, I'm certainly not doing it before a speed workout. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, um, and that's similar, like, you know, since this entire thing is just going to be about like gauging, how should I feel at every, uh, at every benchmark? Like, how should I feel half of the way through my first day? I kind of have a feel uh, like an idea in my head of what should I, like, I should make sure my legs feel fresh at the end of day one, at the end of day two, at the end of day three. And it's like, all right, if I start to feel tired at the end of day four, that's okay. Right. <laughs> right? right. Sure. Um, and, and I think there, there's something you know, I, I've done a 50 miler and that was, 
I had all kinds of issues going into it. And it was the same sort of thing where it was like, okay, initially I wanted to, to, to race this. I definitely am not in the point where I can. And so I was like lots of self-discipline about what are my mental check-ins as I go. Um, and uh, I had had to take a month off of what had would have what would have been peak training because I had hurt my Achilles and I know better than to mess with that. So it's like, I'm going to spend a month doing nothing other than healing the Achilles, right? Um, and no problem since, it's been years. Uh, so I did the right thing, but I lost out on all my peak training for my 50 milers. So I was like, all right, well, instead of, instead of actually like racing and go, you know, let me just, uh, I set up my watch to alert every hour and every mile for 50 miles. And it was like, every time I watch beeps, I'm just going to be like, all right, what do I need to adjust to make sure I continue to feel good? Like not okay. Not like, like, do I feel good now? Do I feel like I'm going to be feel still feel good the next time I watch beeps? What do I need to change? And that kind of kept me going. And uh, so on the food front, that's kind of the same, the same thing. Um, it's sort of like gauging. I didn't get to eat the kind of meal that is going to set me up for the best success. So let's start off slower and adjust as I go. Um, that said, I've had ongoing issues training while running. And so I've been switching more and more and more to fluids, like fluids while running. Um, and so that's been a challenge. Um, so I, I did use a uh, hammer nutrition is, you know, a brand, uh, they've got stuff that's similar to tailwind. They've got all kinds of formulations and I basically just have sorted out to, or kind of fallen back to using their stuff in concentrated bottles. Uh, and then I'll have like water, uh, for the rest of the stuff. And so, um, increasingly, I think that for any race, that's not a really, really easy effort. I'll probably have to just carry a bottle of that, of like a, a concentrated slurry of some of their stuff um, that's made for ultras and just kind of like light sips on that for over the course of a marathon for all my calories. And I don't love that that's where I'm at, but I can't do goose or anything like that anymore. Like my stomach just won't take them. Okay. So just to change the, the subject slightly from training, you had mentioned earlier that you are huge into doing costumes and it's a seven continent challenge. Do you have costumes for this? Uh, I do. Um, so before I get to the costumes, I do want to, uh, I, I did mention to all of you beforehand, I can't remember if we were uh, recording yet or not, but I do have some kind of breaking news on, on this. So uh, the whole thing has been delayed, um, which I was really bummed out about at first and then realized this is probably good because my training's not been great and so I can really use it. Um, so this was originally scheduled for the end of uh, October leading into November, October 31st through November 6th, which meant I was going to go straight from that to Orlando for the wine and dine <laughs> race weekend. Um, so I was going to have to have 10 costumes in the works right now. Oh, wow. uh, and um, uh, it got delayed because of the Antarctica logistics that I mentioned before, um, where uh, uh, the guy, he, he mentioned that he couldn't get final confirmation. We were two months out. So this is a very recent change. Um, we were two months out and he's like, I cannot get final confirmation that they can guarantee the flexibility we need for Antarctica. Um, and so he has to push it back to when they normally do it, which is very end of January into early February, uh, which was a big sigh of relief for me on both the costume front and the training front. Cause three extra months of training is a godsend because things have not been <laughs> going as they could. I was going to be fine, but I could definitely use three extra months. Well, for what it's worth now, you're now you're in summer in Antarctica too, yes. instead of the spring. So maybe that'll be a little better. 
Yeah, it should be. Um, and because this is when it normally happens uh, each time. The only reason it was happening uh, end of October was because this was the soonest he could make it happen given COVID and everything for the pandemic. So uh, he is confident that pushing it back to its normal time frame will make things work out a little bit better. Um, so on that front, costumes. Uh, I think uh, this will make me the first person in the world to ever do the whole challenge in costume, uh, which would be cool. <laughs> Because, um, I mean, I like attention, but also I like costumes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all great. Uh, That's great. Uh, so the, the general theme I want to do is uh, native animal per continent. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to be more specific if I can, but, like, but for Asia, it's, um, and I can do a list of the locations in a minute if we want, but the, for Asia, for instance, like Dubai is the Asia location. And I've looked, there's not really that many distinctive animals that are native to that's that yell Dubai, right? So I'll find something else um, that is native to Asia specifically. Uh, but that's that's kind of my thing. Um, I'm very fortunate in that one of my cousins, uh, his wife is a uh, is a professional uh, puppet and toy maker, and she's oh, wow. a wizard with this stuff. And I've never asked her wow. for help or never gotten her, uh, her help on things. But you know, anybody who's been following my costumes knows I've been making fewer and fewer and fewer amendments for comfort. As time has been going for costumes, I can't do that for seven marathons. No. <laughs> so I'm going to be working on on making sure that these are basically athletic gear that are stylized with maybe a few accessories and things to make them clearly costumes and not just, uh, you know, not just fun outfits. But um, but yeah, that's that's the thing I'm aiming for, and um, and that'll be after Dopey, uh, and I'm not doing Princess this coming year, so uh, so it'll be like a good little. Like I'll have time to recover costume wise before springtime. <laughs> you got to pack all those things too. Yep. Yeah, I do. So I'm just curious: is there a certain location that you're most excited for and least excited for? I mean, both of them. The answer is definitely Antarctica. Uh -huh. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the whole reason this whole thing had come to mind in the first place was so I as people can imagine by hearing me talk, and I'm sure I'm not the only person on here who's like this, is I I am ridiculous for, I just throw myself into things. Like if I'm into something, I'm really into it. And that has been true my entire life. Uh, I mean, those of you who are on the call with me, like we have a video going. Uh, I have my background blurred, but what you can't see is that behind me, I have video game consoles from like four generations that are just collected. Like I, I, I have- I spotted so them. I, I, I've, got, <laughs> I have multiple, CRT t uh, like TVs so that I can use all those things properly and whatnot. I, I just am like this with everything. My record collection is off on the side and you can't see that. It's the same kind of thing. Like, uh, and so that's how I got with running. And once I did New York City and Disney and lo my local marathon uh, in Atlanta, I started thinking like, okay, so I wonder what I can do for excuses to travel. And so I started looking things up and within about a month, I decided I'm going to do a marathon on all seven continents. And then within about two months, I had mentioned that to somebody who was like, have you heard of the world marathon challenge? I was like, no, but now I know I'm going to do that. So it's kind of a, uh, uh, originally when I thought this was going to take me a lot longer, what I was planning to do was have all six, you know, actual inhabited normal continents taken care of before this, and then basically be like, okay, cool. Day one, I've done all seven continents and now it's a victory lap around the world. Like that was my whole, 
whole thing, but I wasn't going to pass up the chance to just go ahead and get it done now. Um, but also, I hate the cold. I hate it with a passion. I, it's like, <laughs> my parents are from Egypt. I was born in Atlanta. I love the Georgia heat. You know, I, I love feeling like I'm dying after a run because I'm sweating and drenched and it looks like I just swam in a pool. Uh, I hate you know, I do not want the weather to ever be in the 50s or 40s unless I am actively running. And I don't want it to be like that until a minute before. And I don't want it to be like that a minute after. Like I, I so, uh, so I am very much dreading that experience, but also like how many people get to go to Antarctica for any reason, let alone no, run a marathon there. So. That's yeah. really cool. Really cool. Well, you did the two marathons. Didn't you do Berlin and um, London back to back? I did. Yeah. yeah so you, that's still like your a big goal of yours to do all world marathons, correct? Yeah, all the majors. Yeah, I've got two left. Two left. Was it? You said Boston and and Tokyo. Oh my god, I want to do that one so bad. A <laughs> okay. Tough one to get into. I yeah, know. I'm currently in the lottery for Tokyo and in through uh, whatever the the travel agency that has it. I I don't expect to get it this year, um, and I would also be a month after the sixth marathon in the world marathon challenge uh, if i did if i did get in so i don't know how i would figure out the logistics for that uh but uh, but i would do it if i got in i would make sure and make it happen um, i would love for boston to be the last of my majors That'd yeah be cool. yeah that's kind of my goal too i was gonna say i think me and lexi had talked about that because one of our goals is to do the world majors as well and we did we did Berlin and that was Lexi's first marathon. And then I did Chicago two weeks after, and I'm in love with the Chicago marathon so much. And then she's got New York in, in November. November, which is really exciting. We're just trying to hit them all. <laughs> Everyone's experience is different, um, but New York was my first and it's still the greatest. And I don't think it's because it was my first, like I just, nothing else is quite the closest is London for me. Um, Chicago, I loved for all the same reasons as New York, just a little bit less. Like, like it's New York is just that extra nudge up. Um, Berlin, I think is the only one I other, I mean, New York, I want to make my hundredth as well to kind of like bookend first and 100th. But, um, but Berlin, I want to go back because when I went, so I ran the first four, 15 kilometers with a guy who it was my 28th marathon. It was his 28th Berlin marathon wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so we were running and just chatting together uh and he said oh you have to come back this is not the normal experience uh and it was like even though it was just a week apart berlin even just as a tourist i could tell was still very much subdued because of covid precautions whereas london was very much not uh and um and so i, I believe him and so I, I will go back at some point when i can get in on lottery um but uh but yeah I, new york is still i mean Again, you could be unfortunate, have bad weather, you could have a bad individual experience, but I think just in terms of individual races, I, I still feel like New York is the greatest in terms of that vibe. Um, Tokyo, I've always wanted to go to Japan like since I was a little kid, uh, so I'm sure that will have an impact on me, and, uh, and then Boston will be Boston, because when I make it, it'll be because I qualified, and that'll be a whole different experience, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so. What's your qualifying time you have to get? I'm curious. Uh, now it's 3.05. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> uh, but I, I really just, as a personal point, I want to break three once. I want to have that leading to, um, you know, I, I, I've had my very first attempt is probably the closest I got, but when my hip blew out in terms of, like, pace and how I felt. Um, but I've had a couple good training cycles marred with injury and so on. And so hopefully, like, having a couple of years where I have not been going for speed will enable me to kind of, like, circle back in and really do that for real once I'm through all of this. 
Well, when you've done it, just remember to look for a roller skating bear <laughs> cheering you on because that will be me. <laughs> okay, so Michael, um, I know on your podcast and your social media and even in the conversation that we've had so far, you keep talking about like um, what sounds like a, a lot of mental strongholds that you've put into your training cycle and um, just the way that you think in getting through the hurdles of, well, seven marathons in a row and also the other cool things that you've done. Um, and I know several of us here have been on a mental health journey and struggled and we all went through COVID. So yeah. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, like, what um what you do when you don't feel like training or whenever you're feeling um when you're going through a a a rut and you don't know you know if you want to continue doing the training cycle and all that kind of stuff talk talk a little bit about that sure so there's a lot to unpack with that um mm -hmm. <laughs> as i think anybody who's dealt with any of this stuff would would imagine um i think at a very high level a lot of it has to do with allowing yourself to do less um and uh and kind of this is going to sound negative but it's not um but lowering expectations and lowering what you demand of yourself um so there's a certain degree of you know we all put certain demands on ourselves sometimes it's because of demands others have put on us unfairly uh but sometimes we put demands on ourselves that nobody else really expects of us right and i think that's the stuff that's easiest to it's not easy so i'm easiest is a relative term but like that's the stuff that's easiest to kind of slowly work on uh as, as time goes on um you know one of the things that i that i mentioned when we were talking about training earlier is like hey you know my dopey race effort is not a race effort right it's it's kind of slightly faster than a training run it's like all right cool like toss out my pride about paces and just go out and think about how I'm, how I should feel instead. Um, and so over time I've learned to do lots of, there's physical wellness check-ins, but there's also kind of mental wellness check-ins. It's like, all right, like what is actually important here for, for me? Um, and a lot of that is like, I have lists upon lists upon lists of like, what are my goals? What are, what are the things I care about and in what order? Like what's my set of priorities? Um, I do a lot of I mean, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, I spent a lot of time in my own head <laughs> and a lot of that uh, when I was younger was really, really bad and it's gotten better as time has gone on. And it's, and a lot of it is really just getting to know, kind of figuring out what is important to you. What do you value? Um, so for me, uh, for running, you know, I, I grew up, I played soccer semi-competitively uh, and you know, running when I got started, like, Oh, like I'm, I'm kind of good at this. Not like amazing, but like, good and it's like that could that could become baggage to the point where it's like okay i can start to set that as a defining characteristic that is tied into my running experience to the point where it could ruin my running experience right it can become an obstacle to it um and i think a a lot that whenever any of us is dealing with sort of a mental challenge or a physical challenge or so on a lot of what happens is we don't step back to figure out like okay what what is the actual barrier here like what what am i what is becoming a burden um, so, uh, again, like my training has not been going well for, uh, for the marathon challenge. And so, um, it was going well for a bit and then it wasn't because 
COVID and like I live alone and I'm still not really like on the other side of, of all this stuff. Like, you know, you can hear me talk. I, I can talk rapid fire and I can talk to everybody and I love people, but I'm actually an introvert, which nobody ever pegs me as. So I like get really tired by social uh, environments. And I spent decades learning, like stretching that social muscle, right? Like decades of it to the point where like, yeah, you put me in a wedding, I'll be the first person on the dance floor. You put me at a office holiday person, I'll do that. But a lot of that is like, a, this is a thing I'm doing to help other people who have the same natural inclinations as me to like go have fun but I'm wiped after and not doing that, going from like that to nothing overnight is like just killed that. So like, I'm trying so, so, so hard to get back, not, not all the way to where I was, but just a little bit of it. And it's like, no, I'm like, I'm never going to get back to where I was. I don't really think I need to, maybe I was doing too much, but what is important to me is that, yeah, I'd be able to socialize with other people in ways that are rewarding to them and rewarding to me. Um, and that kind of goes back into the into the running thing. So with training, um, you know, if work is stressing me out and life is stressing me out, uh, you know, we all know kind of the virtuous cycle that running a, a successful training cycle can be where, hey, training is going well, so I'm mentally feeling better. And so then I am more eager to go do the running. And then that's, you know, that works really well. But once something kind of, once that gets short-circuited, it can be really hard to get back into it. Uh, and that's happened to me a couple times. And so then I can start to go into the spiral of like, all right, well, I had the perfect training plan, you know, sketched out. And I, the first two months I was killing it. And then I started missing a couple runs here and there. And now I'm behind. What do I need to do to catch up? Okay, now I can't catch up. Now, because I can't catch up, I'm really, really stressed out and I can't possibly get back on it. Uh, and so it's like, all right, well, what were my goals? You know, and I had some kind of hypothetical time goals, but really like, ultimately what I really care is like, I, I'm going to have the experience. I'll get by, not be permanently injured <laughs> afterwards. Right? Yep. And, and that's it. Like nothing else matters, you know? And, and so it's like, all right, well, what do I need to do just for that? And so it's like, all right, well, I don't need to go have, you know, I was hoping to have multiple like 150 mile weeks and I was hoping to have, you know, regardless of pace, but just like have that kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? I don't need that. Instead, let me think more about time on my feet and how can I replicate that without ramping up my mileage so much that I'm going to hurt myself. So like elliptical is like, I can supplement with the elliptical. I can do, you know, I can alternate running days and elliptical days. Sure. an elliptical is not a replacement for running, but it is way better than nothing. Right. Yeah, and, sure. um, and it can help you recover. And there's all kinds of other benefits. Like the fact that it's a different gait can help avoid some of the repetitive, uh, strain injuries that you might get into. If you're not able to get as many strength workouts in as you'd like because of the same anxiety. Right. So, um, so I think at, at its base, it's like when I start to spiral, which happens all the time, it's like, all right, what are the most important things to me right now? what do I need to do just to make sure that those things are okay? And what can I cut out? Um, so, uh, you know, people who follow me on Instagram know, like, I just go dark from time to time, right? And that's especially been true during the pandemic. And it's like, you know, like, I, I actually have a pretty healthy relationship with social media. I'm fortunate for that. Some of that is demographic stuff. Like, I don't get any of like the harassment and stuff that other people get. I don't get any of the negative experiences like that. Uh, and my feed is pretty healthy. Uh, but sometimes I feel like I'm you know, there's a, like, I used to get to the point where it's like, okay, I feel obligated to keep posting. And it's like, you know what? No, no, that's not a, it's not a thing. I'll post when I want to. 
And at other times, if that's going to take energy from me, I don't have, that's fine. People will understand. I'll get back to it. Uh, you know, sometimes people reach out to check on me. I appreciate it. Uh, but I'll respond when I can. And, and so it's kind of like, you know, um, yeah, just focus on kind of what are the really, really core things that are important uh, for a marathon. It's like, what's really important is like, hey, what do I need to do to make sure that I feel okay on race day and that I can have a good time of some kind, right? And that's, that's really it. Um, have a good time and feel rewarded afterwards for it. Uh, forget times. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the things is like, you don't have to run a good time to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, and so it's like, all right, toss out time goals first. Uh, just be like, look, what do I need to do to not be hurt? What do I need to do? And then, so I start to set other goals. Like, all right, cool. Like, like I mentioned for the 50 miler, what do I need? What mental check-ins do I need to do? What, um, you know, what am I going to reward myself with afterwards? Um, what is the minimum bare bones training program that I can get through? It's like, cool, if I just do these things, I'll get through it. Um, and there's a certain degree of you have to know yourself. You have to know which things cause you to stumble more, um, kind of know your limits, know like, okay, I really need more time. Um, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not do the, the marathon challenge. Like I could do it today. I wouldn't, physically enjoy it if I had to do it today, but I could do it today. Um, but I've, I've skipped races that I was not adequately prepared for. It's like, I don't have anything to prove, right? Like, just don't do it and there'll be another race. Uh, so I, I kind of rambled there, but there's a lot. <laughs> uh, it's okay. You, you know what I like, Michael? I like Jeff Galloway sums it up this way. The, the objective of his training programs is that you finish your race upright and with a smile on your face and look, what else is there? You're, you're a you're a much faster runner than I, but neither one of us is going to get invited to the Olympic trials. Exactly. You know? So what the heck? Let's just have fun, and I appreciate that attitude. And, and my, I mean, I have marathon times. I think my slowest and my fastest are like an hour and a half apart. No, more two and a half apart. Um. So, and I had fun at both of those extremes. There's some yeah, in the middle yeah. I did not have fun at, but I had fun yeah. at both of those extremes. <laughs> right. no, I, I understand. So either totally. be fast or slow, but don't, don't be that in uh -huh. the between. <laughs> no, I, I think really what it is, is those ones in between, I should have just slowed down more on. <laughs> so. right. Yeah, probably should. Michael, I feel like you're talking to me during that last segment, um, especially because I have that perfect or nothing mentality. Um, and I just appreciate, you know, hearing that other people have that too, and how we can adjust our training and adjust our mindset in order to have a good time. Cause I think you're right. I think that's what it really is about, but we put all this pressure on ourselves that doesn't need to be there. Yep. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I mean, it took me time to learn. So <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's as we just said, we're here for the good time. And I think it just informs, you know, I mentioned earlier when, when kind of coaching-ish people into their first marathon is like, hey, set that goal a little bit more conservatively, like focus on giving yourself a good experience, right? Um, and I, I think that just kind of steadily really informs everything. It's like, I'm not going to keep running if I stop enjoying it. So what do I need to do mm -hmm. to keep enjoying it? Exactly. Exactly. We're not doing this for a living. So if we're not enjoying it, we're not going to do it for long. Yep. Well, Michael... It's been a lot of fun. I, I, My favorite part of this podcast is getting to meet new people like you. It's been wonderful. We really appreciate your time. And uh, you're heading to Disney in November and January, right? Yes. Well, yes. we'll look for you there. I hope we I hope we get a chance to say hello. I would really, really enjoy that. I would love that. Let's, uh, let's plan something. We'll do it. All right. Thanks again, Michael. 
Hey, and we want to talk to you after you've finished all seven of those marathons, okay? I will definitely be happy to be back on. That was such a great interview with Michael. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. And if you want to learn more about the World Marathons, it's worldmarathonchallenge.com. And if you'd like to follow Michael, he's Run the Small World on Instagram, and he also has a podcast. Great. Yeah, that's a neat thing to follow. It, it's a lot of fun, and I, I genuinely wish him a lot of luck with that. All right. Thanks a lot, Alicia. Uh, hey, John, we haven't done this for a while. I'm not sure why we got out of the habit, but uh, have we gotten any new reviews? We've got some, we've got some over the past. I can read some off. Yeah. Fantastic running podcast for Disney and beyond. The Rise and Run crew, at the end of the day, is a fantastic group when it comes to telling st- the story of folks that run. It feels some of them may have missed their calling as excellent sports journalists. <laughs> but wait a minute. Why is that funny? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. It's funny because we know who they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of us. Not me. Some of us <laughs> had go ahead, go ahead and finish your review, John. I love using it as a background, even on the episodes that aren't relevant to me. Not a Galloway devotee, and no desire ever to do an ultra because yeah. of. <laughs> Wait, okay, wow. good. Who are we good. talking about there? Uh, because <laughs> of the way the gang has conversations with each other and their guests, the group is both inclusive and diverse, while also being humble enough to recognize different approaches to the sport without alienating anyone or being arrogant that they know the right way to do it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fun. So first, nice. I, first, I would like to comment that we obviously have a smart reviewer there who doesn't want to do an ultra. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. I did learn that. So just putting that out there. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, secondly, had I not had a commitment to go into the Army, I would have probably gone into sports broadcasting. So, I love it. I don't know you if that's who you. Yeah. I don't know if that's who you were talking about. I think but, so. Yeah, you <laughs> and Greg. I swear, yeah. you both could. Yep. That's. I was the sports director at our college radio station, so I really enjoyed that. Sucky run, boy! Did I need that last episode? It was a ten-mile run for me today, and I was excited to do it. Decided to do a five-mile loop around the neighborhood two times. First five went fine. Left at six ten. And did a 60 run, 45 walk, so adjusted for the humidity. The second five miles were awful. But listen to Chris get through the hard rock. I just kept going through, even though for the first time, I walked majority of the six to 10 miles. Nice. That's okay. I've never done that. I just keep remembering how Jeff says it's okay to walk. Yep. Today was probably the worst training run I've done in four years, but I've got it done. So the, at the end, the mission was accomplished. You well, did it. Well done. That's right. That's right. That's a lesson for everybody out there. That's great. Got it finished. Good on you. Thanks. I got one more I can I can go with. Motivational and fun listening, and I cannot pronounce the name, so it's Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I started listening about a month ago, and I've since gone back and listened to every episode starting at the beginning. Listening to the gang while my training runs for my first in-person dopey as well as listening to my commutes to work, just makes the time fly by. I'm a little sad that I got caught up because there are some long runs and I have to figure out what to listen to now. The gang is all insightful and motivational when it comes to Disney runs and beyond. I have some new races on my bucket list, thanks to listening to the gang and guests talking about their racing experience. This gives me a reason to looking forward to Thursday mornings 
And I look forward to meeting a lot of you at Wine and Dine Weekend. I love that, Rumpelstiltskin. Hey, hey, friends, we genuinely love the fact that you take the time to put these reviews in. We love hearing from you. Uh, it's all about you. We talk to ourselves all the time. Daily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but the fact that we get to communicate with you and that you get to communicate back with us, it just, it means a whole lot. If you, It's a, audio only, but we can see each other. Big smiles on the faces when we get to go through those reviews. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. All right, friends, upcoming episodes uh, next week. We've got some friends to talk about half marathons. The wine and dines coming up. We tend to forget about it because we get so involved in the January uh, marathon weekend that wine and dine kind of sneaks up on us. It's a wonderful event. I look forward to it. But for many of you, it might be your first half marathon. So we are going to spend a bunch of time talking about half marathons next week. We've got a couple of guests joining us. After that, week 50, ask us anything. We've got quite a few questions. Uh, we're still looking for more. Once again, that join the conversation link is a great way to get in there. Just hit that record button and leave us a question. You can address it to one of us or you can address it to all of us, but we would love to hear from you. All righty. We're winding up. That means it's time for the race report. Okay, friends, let's start out on Saturday and let's start right in the mile high city, Denver, Colorado, where our friend Leslie set a new PR because Leslie, what run did you do in Denver? I did the Broncos 7K. 7K PR. There you go. How many 7Ks are out there? Uh, this one. That's all I know. <laughs> I was I was listening to a podcast the other day that uh, Florida has an ultra marathon, a 49K. Or the Florida, not Florida. Golly. Alaska. Alaska, Florida. You can see how I could get confused. Alaska has a ultra marathon of 49K. They guarantee everybody a PR. But that's not what we want to talk about. We want to hear from you, Leslie. We started at uh, Mile High. Um, and this was something that I had signed up for uh, with my cousin. And she brought her son so she could push him in the jogging stroller. I think, as is the case across the country, it's been really warm this summer. So yeah. um, this was uh, no different. It was a warm morning. And the race started at 830. Um, when I got to the stadium around 7 for packet pickup, the temperatures would have been perfect. Um, but I had discussed this with my coach that this was just going to be a fun run. And it, you know, I didn't go into it thinking, Oh, I'm, you know, going to do like 10 minute miles because that's really pushing it for me right now at altitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just as everyone said, like you pull back on the pace when it's warm. Um, I made sure I had my uh, running belt with me with my water and thankfully because we went west of the stadium through Sloan's Lake, and it's one of the older neighborhoods in town, which means that the trees are big and provide some shade. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, there were some sunny spots, but there were also some good shady spots as well. Um, and this was a pretty strong race for me. Um, one of my goals is to finish strong because I kind of struggle with that. Um, and so consistently, I was around anywhere between 11 and 11 half minutes per mile. Oh, you're, 
Yeah, your paces look great. I saw you posted them. They look terrific, nice and steady. Yeah. Yeah. And then after mile four, uh, we're going downhill into the stadium. So that was that was nice. And then um, we finished inside the stadium on the fifty yard line. That's always cool. Let's see, seven k, just a little over four miles total, right? Yep, it's about four point three four. My Garmin showed three four point three nine. So I tried well, pretty good. Yeah, I tried not to weave a lot, and I really didn't have to after the first mile because it got less crowded as people found their rhythm. The secret on these courses isn't so much weaving, but it's cutting the apex of the turn. Yes. Cutting the turns as closely as you can. We'll actually talk about that in an upcoming episode. Oh, that sounds terrific. I got to try one of those stadium runs. It's fun. Yeah. The Buccaneers have one, but I don't think it finishes at the – I think it finishes outside the stadium. Ah, whatever. I'll look into it. But that's not what we're we're here talking to you. Hey, Leslie, how would you get started with running? So I've always been an active child. I started playing soccer around second or third grade, um, and then I started playing lacrosse in eighth grade. So I played soccer through high school, and I played lacrosse through my junior year of college. And I had to run like – I was the athlete, like I had to run because it was a requirement for the sport, but I didn't quite enjoy it. Um, So when I graduated, I got away from fitness as I was adjusting to my first job. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And after I moved to Dallas in 2009 for work, I made it a priority to get back to fitness and running. Um, So I gravitated towards running and my parents had been doing the run Disney races when I was in college. So I thought, okay, um, let me see if this is something I'd like to do. So my very first Disney race was the inaugural wine and dine 5k in 2010. Oh, nice. And that race actually went through the magic kingdom. Oh, how about that? Yeah. We started at the transportation and ticket center and wound our way through the magic kingdom. And so this is, that was like, the end of September, early October. So the Magic Kingdom is decked out in Halloween. Characters that were out were also wearing costumes. And the monorail was parked outside the front gate with the Haunted Mansion music playing. Oh, nice. That was really cool. That is. Yeah. That's cool. Of course, you know that Wine and Dine doesn't go through. The only thing goes through Magic Kingdom now, Marathon Weekend and Princess Weekend. Right. But, uh, um, but yeah, that one, one that one was definitely special because of all the Halloween stuff. Yeah, of course, that's still there. At Wine and Dine, the Halloween stuff is still there in Magic Kingdom, but you don't run through it. <laughs> you got to visit it separately. So that's neat. Um, now, I know you're in Denver now, or at least in that area, and you had mentioned Dallas in there somewhere. Where'd you grow up? Did you grow up out west? Um, so I we moved over all over when I was a kid. Uh, My dad went back to school to get his PhD. So we were in Tucson while he attended the University of Arizona. Then his first job took us to Wisconsin. And then my mom decided to go back to school in IT and she got into Boston University. So I don't know if you could say I grew up in Boston, but I spent all of my teenage years and early 20s in Boston in the town of Wellesley. And if you know the Boston Marathon course, that is the halfway point mm-hmm. of the course. So the first couple of years when we moved there, we would go out and cheer them on. And I'm thinking, these people are crazy. I'm never going to do long distance running. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to do a marathon and I don't really want to. Um, but I just found like, oh, it, when I was training for my first half, 
and I was hitting distances I hadn't hit before. I was like, oh my gosh, look at me. Look what I'm doing. That's right. That's cool, Leslie. I remember you telling us that on a Zoom meeting one night about being, there's a name for the Wesley, Wellesley cheering group out there. What is it? The Scream Tunnel. The what, please? The Scream Tunnel. The Scream Tunnel. Cool. Cool. That's neat. Hey, what do you have coming up? Um, so after, uh, yesterday I've got the hot chocolate 10 K on October 2nd and then, um, really don't have anything until princess. Uh, okay. when my cousin who did the seven uh, K as well, she and I are doing the five K and 10 K at princess. That sounds terrific. We, at least I look forward to seeing you there. I know some of us are going to be there. Yes. And I've got my costumes ready. I got the last piece <laughs> this past week, so I'm ready. Good for you. That medal, I think that's a very interesting medal that you guys got for that uh, 7K. So the best way I can describe it is the old 80s graphics uh, for video games. If you remember the, I, I'd even say the floppy disk for Oregon Trail, the very pixelated uh, graphics. And it's on a NES cartridge? Yes. Is yep. that right? I wasn't paying attention, or I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I don't saw, think. Yeah, I saw that. It's a. It's like an. It looks like an old NES game. Yeah, I can post a picture on the Facebook group. But yeah, it's a. It, it's that old cartridge. The the metal itself is actually bigger than some of my other non Disney ones. And it's got John Elway on it, right? Um, I'd have to. Or is it? Or is it just? It's a, a Broncos. I'd have to look at the number to see if it is Elway. Uh, but it does say seven K on it. All right. Leslie, it's been fun. We appreciate you doing it. We'll see you on Zoom, and then we'll see you in Florida in February. Yes, looking forward to it. All right, thanks, Leslie. Uh, Continuing now, but still in a football stadium, the Steelers 5K run walk in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Andrew finished that, sent us a photo from inside the stadium, looking good. Uh, Jay... Jay started off with the Rockin' Brews Half Marathon in Monona, Wisconsin. He got off to a great start, but then it started to rain really hard, and the race got called on him. Now, the course was around a lake, so the only good way to get back was to turn around and head back to where he started, so... He talked about Ubering back, but it wasn't really an option. The good news is that as soon as he got back to the fin, and I wasn't to finish, got back to the, it wasn't wasn't really the start. Because anyway, as soon as he got back, they had beer there. So that's not a bad thing. He's looking to do, he was hoping that was going to be a proof of time race. He's looking for another one real soon. Our friend Jarris was in Baltimore for the Charles Street 12 miler. Uh, said some tough hills, tough hills in Baltimore, but he did send us some nice finishing photos. So that was good. On Sunday in Reading, Pennsylvania, and it was a hot Sunday in Reading this week. We're hoping it's not going to be as warm next week, but our friend Kent did the labor pains 12 hour endurance run. Now that just sounds tough. Uh, heat was a problem. He said it was a big thing. The, the good thing out of this is Kent learned some things. He got 25 miles in, in the first six hours. Then because of the heat, he went mostly to walking. It was a, uh, it was a looped course. I forget the distance of the loop, 
but at about the 11 and a half hour mark, he was at 42.2 miles. And because of the course, he really didn't have a good option to go out and finish that half hour. But so 42.2, uh, that's pretty darn good. And the big thing for this is no long-term injuries. He finished feeling okay. Uh, ultras can be that tough. He's got a 24-hour ultra coming up in late November. I've already lined him up for the race report spotlight. And I think based on what he learned in this 12-hour one, I think he's going to do really well in the 24-hour. Speaking of labor pains, I, I think our friend Michael from the Will Run For podcast uh, also participated in that. Uh, oh, did he? This past weekend, yeah. I uh, I know Aaron was going uh, – on their Instagram stories, you know, talking okay. about his progress and everything like that. So big, yeah. big shout out to Michael. That wouldn't be too far for him. Uh, I can't remember if Michael's in Jersey or in Maryland, but uh, Redding, they're in Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Reading wouldn't be too far for either one over in the UK in London. Our friend Rob ran the vitality big half. I didn't hear from Rob. I hope he did well uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, Kristen and Mary were involved in the Around the Crown 10K. Now, Kristen ran it. Mary posted a picture, said it was her daughter's first 10K. I don't know if Mary ran it or not. But anyway, we had two friends out there. Uh, Kristen told us this morning on Customized that she did okay. Again, people are battling the heat still. Uh, Charlotte, golly, one of the hottest runs I did was in Charlotte. And it can get tough. So she didn't get the time she wanted, but it, I get it. Better days are coming. All these tough days put in the training in the summer are going to pay off in the fall. I promise. In uh, Central Florida, in Orlando, the Labor Day 5K, our buddy Margaret, she finished that one. Good job, Margaret. Margaret always posts great photos. Margaret almost always is in some kind of a great costume. Uh, let's move on to Monday, Labor Day. The Faxon Law Road Race in New Haven. They had a half marathon, New Haven, Connecticut. Our buddy Jennifer. Jennifer's been on the race report spotlight. Jennifer is a fast runner. She ran what I consider a very fast half here, but she was a little disappointed. And I use this, this is a great example of pace as an individual thing. If most of us ran the pace that Jennifer ran, we'd be delighted. But she knows she can do a little better. So I get that. She did a wonderful job. Congratulations. And the next time out, she'll do even better, I'm sure. Uh, Labor Day 10K in Kennesaw, Georgia. David did that one. Good photos. Nice medal. His goal was to come in under 59.59, sub one hour. I understand that goal. He did it. He did it. He actually got in 58-something. Good point here. He says, I think that'll give me a better start corral. David, it used to, and it probably still will. A 10K under an hour, it should be a a pretty good start corral down at Disney World. The Race to Serve 5K in Rochester, New Hampshire. Donnie did that one. Uh, Looked like that one got some rain. And from the photos, it looked like it might have been a bit chilly. Still, Donnie said they had a great time up there with their friends. And the last one... uh, our friend Dean, who we talked about a little earlier, Dean and his wife Judy, at the last minute decided to run. Uh, Dean ran a full, Judy ran a half in Winter Garden, Florida. This was billed as a no frills race. In fact, Dean posted some 
stuff on Facebook, the organizers said, uh, you shouldn't expect much and we'll probably deliver even less. <laughs> he went out there and did it a 2.2 mile loop. Uh, so they both, they both, Judy did the half, Dean did the full, uh, Dean said he stopped at his car and would get cold drinks there. Our friend Adam joined them and paced them for quite a bit. Adam lives over in that area. It was hot friends. It was a really hot day here in central Florida, but they knocked it out. Good for them. Reminder how to get into the race report. We've got a link at the top of our Facebook page pages. I call it a link. It's actually a post. There's a Google doc in there. You can go in, bring it up. You can enter your race yourself, or if you just want to put the race in the comments, I will be happy to enter it for you. Uh, winding up, no Zoom call this week. Next one will be Thursday night, September 15th. All right, my friends. And if you run, you are our friend. This is the sad part of the program. This is where we say good night uh, or good day or have a great training run. Until we meet again, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.